chapter three of in search of mademoiselle by george gibbs this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by tony oliva mademoiselle after a while the sieur de la notte came on deck to master hooper and disclosed the story of his persecution and the circumstances which led to his capture and imprisonment his tale was in short the tale of a hundred others he had become a follower of calvin and had even preached and written the new religion his estates were soon confiscated and he was forced to flee into the night with his wife and daughter carrying only the jewels and valuables to which he could lay his hands and what monsieur asked master hooper when he had done of your adventure in the cabin that is soon told when the action began the commander of the cristobal don alvarez sent us below cautioning us not to appear upon the deck don diego de Bassan himself locked us in the after cabin the battle over there came a sudden movement at the outer door and two pikemen rushed into the corridor and set upon me vigorously so sudden was the onslaught i had scarce time to set myself on guard but i managed to draw and use my sword to such good end as to confine the fellows in the narrow passageway where i had them at a disadvantage yet what might have come of us had not yonder giant interposed but the cause of the attack asked captain hooper you must know monsieur replied the frenchman that under the deck of that cabin is a chest containing many thousand crowns it was upon the huguenot ship from which we were taken and was intended by admiral coligny for certain troops under arms in the north captain hooper's eyes sparkled he would have liked to take that chest upon the griffin but he had his orders and dared not without the consent of the queen take even salvage of treasure or property belonging to the protestant party captain hooper said i the orders for the murder of this gentleman came from the officer don diego de bassan and i related my own imprudence in allowing the spaniard to communicate with his bowmen <laughs> twas a foolish thing said master hooper stroking his chin but lad you've atoned for your fault in handsome fashion and now out with spare yards and mass and try for some steerage way on this storied hayrick there being many bad injuries the cristobal took water rapidly and master hooper sent all of her crew to removing it the men mounted stages set at places beyond the reach of the water and made such repairs as would enable her to reach port provided the weather grew no worse the injuries below water were stopped from inboard the wreck was partially cleared jury masts and temporary spars were rigged in place of those shot away and with a wind on the quarter 
the griffin and her prize moved to the eastward toward the coast of france the griffin having even more than her complement of men it was thought best by captain hooper to send aboard the cristobal a large prize crew of which he made me commander many of the more important prisoners were put aboard the griffin or taken below on the cristobal where they were confined to the forecastle to my great satisfaction the family of the vicomte de la note were passengers to the city of dieppe where they had friends a matter much less to my liking was the company of don diego de bassan whose presence even in confinement seemed to me a menace to the safety of the ship and her precious cargo but it was so ordered by captain hooper for at dieppe the spaniard might be exchanged for english seamen imprisoned there as hostages at the demands of spain the cristobal as a prize was to be made over formally to certain agents of captain hooper these agents who were french it is said were in the employ of the queen but i doubted this after my dealings with them having sold the cristobal and placed the recaptured treasure in the hands of admiral coligny i was to rejoin the griffin at portsmouth on the afternoon of the second day the griffin put her helm up and set a straight course for the coast of ireland to refit at kinsale where master hooper kept his goods and stores all effort having been made to ensure a safe voyage i stood at the weather-rigging upon the quarter-deck thinking of many things i marvelled at the wonderful power which had drawn me from myself and made my rough hulk seem to me but the abode of a carnal spirit having no quarrel with the world except in matters relating to the betterment of my condition i had grown in my rugged health and brute strength further and further from the more delicate sensibilities which go to make the better part of human life it was my own fault i knew that i could have gone into the horse company of my uncle with a chance for preferment and a life of polite grovelling at the skirts of royalty though i had read much of such books as were to be found in my way and picked up a smattering of the languages a dozen years of service in all weathers and companies had cudgelled from me many feelings of uh, the gentler kind which i believe are nature's gifts to all right-thinking gentlefolk but i had chosen my life for myself and there was an end of it i compared myself beside mademoiselle to a clumsy rock crumpster against the gilded pinnace of the queen where every line is beauty and strength 
i watched her as she walked the deck with madame although the cristobal lay over to leeward and blundered heavily through the seas raising her head and stern in abrupt fashion mademoiselle walked the slanting deck straightly conversing quietly the while and cheering madame who leaned upon her her carriage though lissom gained from the set of the head a certain dignity and grace that marked her as a queen among women perhaps a little haughty but in it the more queenly but i would not be so interpreted as to show her in any sense cold of temper for as i stood there watching her my heart in my eyes from time to time she turned and flashed a warm glance upon me which sealed each time more surely my destiny as her willing servitor in a little while the prisoners were brought up from below for their airing and mademoiselle went with madame below to the cabin the spaniards taken altogether were a well enough looking company and i do not doubt that under proper authority and better conditions of ordnance and seamanship could have given a good account of themselves as it was they seemed well cowed and came up from their quarters sheepishly blinking their eyes like so many cats at the brightness of the sun there came also among the last don diego de bassan lifting his great bulk over the combing of the hatchway he scanned the horizon as though mechanically and seeing nothing turned toward me i had not given much of my thought to this fellow for with the many necessary orders and duties in getting the cristobal to rights and under way my mind had been so occupied as to harbor no place for plans or business of my own yet the memory of the haughty taunt of the spaniard rankled me and i promised myself an ungodly pleasure in a further discussion of the subject as the ranking officer among the prisoners i had allotted him the half of my cabin but my business upon the deck having been so urgent i had not as yet had any talk with him the mist of years passes over our eyes and brains dimming the memories of youthful impulses and madnesses yet even now as i recall the face of de bassan handsome sneering powerful his look of contempt at all things my pulses beat the more quickly and my hand goes again to the place where my sword was wont to hang it is said that in the matter of love and the taking in marriage each person may find upon the earth a mate likewise it seems to me most natural that for each man upon the earth at least one other may be born 
who shall be his natural adversary and enemy it was once told me by martin cockram that two churls entered the inyard at the pelican and without exchange of words or laying eyes on each other ever before fell instantly to fighting setting aside the danger which lay in his presence and the grievance i bore him for his attack upon the sieur de la notte a like feeling of antipathy there was between the spaniard and me and as he came forward my fingers closed so that the nails drove into the flesh and i took a step toward him yet he was a prisoner of war promised to be safely delivered so half ashamed of my own impatience i bit my lip for the better control of my speech and leaned back upon the taffrail smiling you have not given me the honor of your company in my prison said he with a sneer nay senor i returned the cristobal is a sieve and but for certain precautions might now be floating keelson upward my company you shall have when other things are righted for there is a small matter for discussion and what senor pirato he asked with a lift of the chin what matter is common between you and me permit me to be the judge of that senor and upon the cristobal the subject may be settled oh you crow loud as a fledgling cock with your weighty subjects my weighty subjects are less weighty than my fists i replied for i liked him not striving hard meanwhile to preserve my peace you saw fit to put an insult upon me and did me the honor of an offer of a further argument of the question i accept that offer he placed his hands upon his hips and looked at me from head to foot as at a person he had never seen before and then his white teeth gleamed through his black mustache as he smiled you are a bull stripling why sir swashbuckler the prowess of don de Bathan is a byword in the navy of king philip and no man in all spain has bested him in any bout of strength yet look you i like your bulk and manner and it may be that i shall see fit to honor you with a test of endurance tis no honor that i seek senor said i giving him a smile for smile but the satisfaction of a small personal grievance which may be righted quickly and though your bulk is fit enough for my metal your manner pleases me not for it galled me that he should continue to speak of me as a pirato upon my own command and my blood boiled at the thought of what he had attempted to work upon the sieur de la notte and mademoiselle my thews may please you even less sir adventurer mark you this and leaning over 
he took from one of the guns a chalking coin of hickory wood banded with copper seizing it in his hands he placed it between his knees for a better purchase and bending forward quickly with a mighty wrench he split it in two parts as one would split an apple whereat i was greatly surprised and knew for certain that i had no ordinary giant to deal with but i held and still hold that like most of such feats it was but a trick and come of long practice i might have shown him had i wished the breaking of a pike-staff with a hand-width grasp for in this there is no great skill but only honest elbow sinew yet i had no humor to put him on his guard against me some of my surprise may have noted itself in my face for he laughed boastfully as he threw the coin upon the deck so will i split you if your humor is unchanged i laughed back in his face if your coins are as rotten as your ship i fear you not to-morrow we will make the coast to-night if it meets your convenience we will meet upon the forecastle as you will he said with a shrug of his shoulders yet i have warned you and if blood be spilled by accident it will not be mine until then senor and bowing i made my way below to inquire if mademoiselle wished for anything End of chapter 3